0: Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Welcome to Lighthouse this morning. We're so glad you're here. Uh, Those that are watching in from uh, out of town uh, online from Fostoria and Bluffton, and then others that are not able to be here today watching from home. We're just glad that you're part of the Lighthouse family with us this morning. Uh, My name is Larry Sewell. I'm one of the elders here at the house, working with Fritz and Don and others, uh, uh, working with Lighthouse. Um, This is the second talk, the second sermon in our series called Yes. And we're working through the vision, mission, and values of the Lighthouse Church together. As I was working uh, on this particular talk, uh, my mind went back to something that happened in high school, uh, something called value clarification. Now, when I was in high school, uh, you might not be able to guess this, but I was kind of a science and math geek. You know, I was the guy that did the homework, that kind of stuff. And uh, somehow, I uh, was talked into maybe signing up for a class on marriage and the family. And so this is this geeky guy, and I'm signed up for Marriage and the Family. I didn't know much about Marriage and the Family, but I had heard that Mr. Lee, the teacher of that class, uh, was into martial arts, and he liked to talk about martial arts during his classes. So I thought, well, you know, how bad could it go? So I signed up for uh, Mr. Lee's class. Uh, I remember the first thing that we did. We we had to put a, a budget together, and they would assign a boy and a girl together to work on a family budget. And I've been thankful ever since that I didn't marry that girl, because... We would have been bankrupt by now, yeah. We had demonstrations in that class of how to, how to uh, you know, focus your force to break a board, okay? Kind of the karate stuff, and we talked about all these other topics. Um, it was public school, high school, it was, you know, the, the 70s, and we did stuff like karate in marriage class. But the most valuable thing I remember from that class was uh, from this uh, exercise he would do each week called Value Clarification. And the, he would come up with these just impossible circumstances in life that could happen. And then uh, as a group, we would have to decide what we would do if we found ourselves in that circumstance. Now, what his intent was, was to, to make us start thinking outside the box, to think very clearly about those things which are important to us. It was intended to help us see ourselves to understand ourselves in a really clear way he wanted to expose our thinking now mr lee um, in retrospect i would say was pretty misguided in lots of things that he talked about but one thing that has stuck with me since that class when i was 16 years old was that we act from the center of who we are who we are in our heart that's what comes out what we think about ourselves Actually determines the course of our lives. What we think about determines where we go in life. The battle for the heart and the mind—this is where it all occurs, right here. The battle for our lives uh, occurs in our in our heads. Um, the Bible says it this way: "From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." Or another translation of a verse uh, from a verse in Proverbs says this: "As a man thinks in his heart." so is he. It's a biblical idea. Our identity is everything. Our identity in Christ is everything. What we think about ourselves determines the course of our lives. So we're in this short little series called Yes. We're talking about the mission and values and outcomes of the church, and it's all about, uh, it's all about actually identity, who we are as a people individually and then collectively uh, as a church. So put a finger in Ephesians chapter 1 and then also Philippians 2. We're going to be in both places, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time setting up the, uh, the idea of the outcomes before we actually get there. In Ephesians chapter 1, uh, we learn that God is our creator. Okay? He wants to be a part of every aspect of our lives, and uh, I'd like to pray to that end just before we start this morning. God, we pray to you as our creator the one who made us, the one who loves us. We pray that you would open our hearts. We pray that you would open our minds, that we would see from your word what you have for us to know this morning. I pray these things to Jesus. You may not know this, but your identity as an individual Christian, collectively, all of us together, creates the identity of the church. The church is made up of the people, and identity, as I said before, is everything. I'd like to walk through some verses from Ephesians chapter 1 that lay out a biblical case for the identity of the Christian. In chapter 1, verse 4, it says this Even before God made the world, he loved us. He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault before his eyes. If you're a genuine believer, God chose you to be in Christ, to be forgiven to be set apart for himself. The Apostle Paul never got over, I think, the grace, the overwhelming grace that he experienced by God. You can read about his life as the persecutor of the church in Acts chapter 7 and 8, a man who was uh, doing everything he could to stop the movement of the church in the early days. And when he met Jesus in Acts chapter 9 and he was converted, he went completely the other way. His entire life was radically changed by meeting God. It reminds me of the story back from Jeremiah chapter 1, when God is speaking to Jeremiah and he says this, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God knows us from before our birth. I think it's worth taking a moment to reflect on that aspect of our identity as Christians. Most of you today claim Jesus as your savior, and the Holy Spirit is active in your life. The the acid test, if God's really in your life, is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if that's the case for you, what it means is this. God chose you to be his child. This is your identity. Of all the characters in the world, he chose Christians in this room and online to be his children. Verse 5 says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted to do, and that gave God great pleasure. Verse 7, he's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son, and he forgave our sins. The Greek actually says, according to the riches of his grace. Christians are set free from the jail cell of sin. We're forgiven. We stand before God in the, in the state of perfection, in the perfection of Jesus forgiven. He has forgiven us and we stand with Christ. Verse 13, He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he has promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Now remember, when you think about, what you think about actually determines the course of your life. To the extent that a person thinks about their identity in Christ clearly, and to the extent that the church as a whole, collectively, we think about our identity in Christ together, our lives will be very different than if we live on a different track. So for the Christian, it's true that God has chosen us, that we are forgiven, that our eternal future is secure, and that the Holy Spirit lives in us. This is our identity. This is what's true of us. We're part of the family of God. You know, what you think about the gospel matters a great deal. You know, if if the gospel is just a religion, and all religions are the same, it's just an academic exercise... There may be some points of Christianity that would help you, like life hacks that that make your life a little bit better. But if this is true, it changes everything. Our perspective, we start with, uh, changes everything about our lives. In your bulletin this week, you should have something that looks like this. This is the Lighthouse Community Vision Outcomes and uh, values we're going to be on the lower part of the first page here uh, talking about our outcomes that we pray for the things that we celebrate here at lighthouse you might want to pull this out because we're going to go through this part of the outline in just a little bit last week pastor fritz talked about uh from matthew chapter 28 our values and today we're moving to outcomes next week will be uh our last week was vision and next week will be our values In Philippians chapter 2, verses 12, the end of chapter, uh, verse 12 and verse 13, uh, it talks about our outcomes, uh, or our our, uh, identity in Christ, and the outcomes that we're talking about are consistent with that. And this is what it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You can actually memorize that before you leave today. It's just a short verse. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God is working in you both the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. We're told here that we're to work out our own salvation. God puts, the, the, uh, puts it on us. Work out your own salvation. And yet at the same time, while this is going on, God is working in our lives to give us both the desire and give us the capacity, the power, to do the things that God uh, wants us to do. This verse is speaking of a partnership, a partnership between Christians and God altogether. Now, this verse is not talking about me and God as much as it is talking about us and God. All of the words in this verse are in the plural, and this verse is written to churches, <laughs> This is talking about y'all together work out your salvation with fear and trembling because God is right there giving you the capacity and the desire to do it. We've talked about our identity just a little bit. We're forgiven. We stand uh, together as children of God. Now, before we talk any more about those verses, I want to talk a little bit about the context of what Paul is saying just before he said those verses in chapter 2. You know, this is kind of the way you do Bible study you read something and then you go back and you look at the context and you put all the pieces together. It's like making a puzzle to understand fully what uh, the author is saying. In chapter one, we learn that when Paul is speaking to the Philippian believers, he's remembering times from the past. These guys had war stories together in the gospel uh, you can read in Acts chapter 16 about Paul and Silas going to Philippi. Remember the man from Macedonian call, said, call and said, come, come help us, right? Paul wanted to go a different direction. The spirit of Christ prohibited him and sent him west instead. And he ended up at Philippi. And this was a place where God did remarkable things. There were miracles involved. People came to faith. God was working in just a crazy way there in Philippi. And Paul has this, this great affection for these people because they were kind of compadres. They were, they were partners in this ministry. And when Paul writes to them in chapter 1, before we get to those verses in chapter 2, he lays the foundation for what's true of us because of our identity in Christ, what's true of us as Christians. And this is what he says, verse 6 of chapter 1. I am certain that God, who began a good work in you, will continue that work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. God's work in you is not once and done. It's not something that uh, we believe and then we go on and live our lives like we did before, but instead, uh, the Bible says that God never gives up on us. In fact, his plan goes on and on and on until Jesus returns to judge the world, the new heaven and the new earth is established. It goes on forever forever. It's God's plan for, for your life to be transformed into the image of Christ. To the very end, God is focused on that one thing. Verse 10, I want you to understand what really matters, he says, that you may live a pure and blameless life until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much praise and glory to God. Paul is talking here about what really matters to God. Last week, I decided to go over to Faustoria for their first meeting in their new building. Now, with the 11 service, and as we were driving, if you've been to Faustoria, you know there's train tracks that run through that town, right? Well, we were on the wrong side of the tracks when a slow moving train was going through. And so we were supposed to be there at 1111. 11. We were late. Debbie timed the train. We sat there for 11 minutes watching this train go one car at a time, one car at a time. You know, a train doesn't get to its destination necessarily because it goes fast. A train gets to its destination because it doesn't turn to the left or turn to the right. A train stays on the track to its destination. It goes straight ahead. And what Paul is saying here is that get on God's track. Get on God's track and move that direction uh, without fail, without turning to the left or the right, to the way he has uh, revealed himself to us through the scriptures. He's talking about the fruit of righteousness, God's character produced in our lives. He's talking about transformation, something that happens in our heart as we live out our full, fully our new identity in Christ. It's a life that brings glory to God. When you partner with God in the transformation of your own life, uh, you're actually bringing praise and glory to God. That's what that's about. Paul goes on to say, For me, living means Christ, and dying is even better. It seems a little crazy, right? Paul's looking forward to being with Christ for eternity. Paul is this total sellout for the gospel. This isn't a self-directed man going his own direction. This is a man who's focused on God's work. And he says this, We are citizens of heaven, in verse 27. So conduct yourself in a manner worthy of all the good news about Christ. At some point, believers have to grasp the reality that this life is a temporary condition. This life is passing away. And the transformation in our life, that's something we take with us for eternity. The context of chapter one is built on our identity in Christ. We're the forgiven ones, we're the ones set apart, we're members of God's family. And then the first part of uh, the book of Philippians, Paul is laying out this foundation for chapter 2, where we just read a minute ago. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the capacity to do what pleases him. In light of everything Paul has said and everything that's true of the believers, it comes down to something that's very profound it very, very simple. Paul's saying this, work it out. Figure out how to walk with God. And do this together as a church, remembering that while you do it, God is there. He's giving you the desire. He's changing your heart. He's also giving you the capacity. He's giving you the power to walk like Jesus walked. What Paul is saying simply is this. He's saying, get after it. Go do it. Get busy. Don't sit around. Now, I want to do a hard transition. All of this that we've been talking about is foundation, and I want to talk about the outcomes that we pray for right here in the center of the green, the green sheet. There's six outcomes that we talk about here at Lighthouse. These are things we pray for. These are the outcomes that we work hard for. This, these are the outcomes that we focus all of our ministry efforts around. We don't do other stuff. We do this stuff. The rest of our time together, we'll just kind of dive into those one by one. The first outcome there is we want people to experience new life that comes only through faith in Jesus as forgiver and leader. You know that's our starting point as Christians. There's lots of places we can go in the Bible to talk about salvation, but I've selected Titus chapter 3, and I want to just read these verses because it so clearly explains what salvation is from a biblical standpoint. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through Christ, through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight, and he gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal light, life. God is so kind. He is full of mercy. He's full of grace. He removed our sins. He gave us spiritual birth and new life. He gave us the Holy Spirit to indwell us. And He made us right with Him. Our past is reconciled and we stand in confidence that we will see God. We will be with Him for eternity. That's the identity that a person has who's a believer in Jesus. The Bible is really clear that believers have moved from spiritual darkness into spiritual life, and that's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Once that happens, that's just the first step, new life in Christ. That's the first yes that we say to Jesus. After that, We continue hearing God's voice, and that's something that we're focused on here at Lighthouse, an outcome that we would continue hearing the voice of God in our lives. Everything else is just stale religion. I was talking with someone this week via instant message from our church family who's who's studying the entire uh, New Testament by writing out in handwriting in a notebook what each verse says. It's almost like she's writing her own commentary on the Bible. And a crazy thing is happening to her as she does that. It's changing her. She's seeing not only what God has said, but she's seeing the significance of what God means. And it's, and it's causing her to see herself, and it's causing her to see other people in a different light. In fact, what it's doing is it's, it's causing repentance and restoration, and it's, it's, she's working out her salvation with fear and trembling as she works carefully through the Bible. It's actually normal for Christians to hunger and thirst after the righteousness of God, to seek Him in the Scriptures and to seek Him through prayer. And the people I know that live this way are people who live lives that are full of joy. They would never, ever go back to the life they had before. That just doesn't happen. God has revealed himself to the pa- in the pages of Scripture. And, and when Peter speaks about it, he speaks this way in chapter 1. He says, you've been born again to a life that won't quickly end. Your new life, the life you're living in Christ right now, he says that will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. It seems to indicate that as God transforms our lives, Somehow that goes with us when we leave this world. You kind of see that thread through the book of 1 Peter. I don't think it's possible to hear God's voice very well unless we're immersing ourselves in the Scripture, God's Word. I just don't think it's possible. And it's my experience personally that as I experience the Scriptures, as I study the Scriptures, it draws me into prayer It draws me into confession and repentance and and spiritual growth. It's uncanny sometimes how you can be praying, and God can bring into your mind uh, something or an event of life, scripture that you've been studying, and you actually hear his voice, and you know where he wants you to go in that process. The third outcome we pray for is that the people of Lighthouse would throw down the guilt of religion and enjoy God's grace. Number three is actually the opposite of number two. See, guilt and religion are exactly opposite of hearing the voice of God in our lives. Religion's about obligation. It's about control. It's motivated by guilt. Religion is the great deceptive substitute, because religion will keep you busy with all kinds of activities but it'll never, never bring you face to face with God himself. You know, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. He's the one that piles guilt on, right? Piling it on. Where believers, instead, stand in their true identity. They stand forgiven. They stand in the presence of God, reconciled to God himself. <clears throat> Pastor Matt Smith talk, talked about this topic a few weeks ago, and that's a, a sermon worth going back and listening to. The next outcome is growth, taking steps of real, meaningful, spiritual growth as the Holy Spirit transforms our lives. I've noticed something when lots of preachers talk, um, that lots of people hearing that uh, think we're talking about a box, okay, where you put your, your God stuff in, okay, there's a box. You, maybe you, and the thought is, well, maybe the preacher's asking for me to put more things in the God box, you know, maybe more money or maybe more time, or a little bit more of my attention, something like that. But you know, it's not about negotiating the size of your God box with God. It's not that at all. Instead, it's almost like wearing a pair of glasses that have a different colored lens, where you see everything in the world from a different perspective, because God is changing your heart, your desires. He's changing the way you look at everything. I'm not talking about giving a little bit more in the God-boxing, making that piece a little bit bigger. We're talking about a transformed life whereby everything is seen from a different perspective. Supernatural transformation comes through uh, the scriptures, it comes through prayer, and it also comes through other growing disciples. In Romans 12, chapter 2, it talks a little bit about repentance. You know, repentance is not feeling bad. Repentance is changing the way we think. Okay, it's turning away from those things and turning toward these things instead. One of the most common verses uh, you've probably heard Romans 12:2. I want to read it anyway because it's so powerful. Don't copy the customs and behavior of this world, but let God transform you into a person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Another verse, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, similarly says, Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, which is truly holy and righteous. Grabbing our new identity, in practical terms happens as we as we let go of the things we held before and we let God change the way we think. The fifth outcome is discovering our spiritual gifts to serve others. <coughs> you know, there's a lady in this church <coughs> who always excuse me <coughs> who always makes me feel better whenever I see her. Do you know people like that? Um, She has a way of making people feel comfortable and feel valued. It's just the way she is, okay? She prompts people to prayer and to seek God. And there's lots of different folks in our church that have that same gift. You might say that she is dialing into her spiritual gift of encouragement. That's what she's doing, encouraging other people to walk with God. But did you know that the spiritual gift of encouragement and friendliness is often the doorway by which people are able to access the truth of the gospel. When they feel loved and valued and welcomed, often it enables them to hear the message. Pastor Fritz is a teacher and a leader. He has lots of great stuff to say. But, you know, the congregation, with their encouragement and friendliness, actually are the ones who open the door that give people the ability to hear the truth of the gospel. And if you walk into this room before church service starts. There's almost always people in here that come early and people that hang around after. And I just think about Lighthouse. The thing I pray for is that each person who calls Lighthouse home uh, would see themselves as part of the welcoming committee for the church. You know, that we would make people feel so welcome that their hearts are actually open to the gospel. Peter talks about spiritual gifts this way. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. He's talking to Christians. Use them to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as if God himself were speaking through you. You know, when you're talking about Scripture, God is speaking directly through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Well, do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then in everything you do, you'll bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. The fifth outcome that we pray for is that every person at Lighthouse, everybody that calls this home, uh, would dial into the spiritual gifts that God has given them and use them for the good of the church. Now there's a place on your blue card that you can write your spiritual gift if you want to let us know what that is. The last outcome is, is rescue. Joining God in his mission to rescue people from sin and death. This whole thing comes full circle. The summary is this. It starts with genuine faith. Uh, Everything starts there. That's the first yes we stated to Jesus. Then it's hearing God's voice. It's a life full of grace, not religion. It's being on the path, the the track of spiritual transformation. It's uh, using our gifts as God is transforming us so that we can be prepared to rescue people who are far away from God, people who are without hope, the 50,000 that we talk about. Jesus talks about rescue this way. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear much fruit, so that whatever you do in my Father's name, he can give it to you. We're back at Matthew 28, what Fritz talked about last week. The value, core value of the church is outreach. It's, it's rescuing those who are far away from God. You know, Lighthouse is an interesting place as you look around the folks that attend here, we have business executives and teachers, we have truck drivers and people who are unemployed. We have young people here that are approaching life uh, that seems uncertain to them. And we have older people wondering if there's still value in their lives. We have people that are worried about lost family members. We have people that are fighting cancer. We have folks in our church Uh, That are just holding on trying to make it one more day. All of that is mixed right here in this church that we call Lighthouse. And it's our prayer, okay, that by genuinely focusing on these six outcomes, okay, we can bring glory and praise to God and it'll benefit all of us. Francis Chan says it this way Don't fear failure in your life, instead, fear being successful. At things that just don't matter. Faith, here, grace, growth, gifts, and rescue. These are the outcomes that bring a smile to the face of God. God is working in you, and He would say, if I mean in all the theology of the Bible, He'd say it this way get after it. Learn to walk with God in every way you can. I would encourage you to look at these outcomes in your life look at these outcomes in the church and pray for God to work among us and celebrate when we see him move. Uh, I'm going to end this uh, morning with prayer. Uh, This is your opportunity to pray. We're going to have prayer uh, partners in the corners of the room. And this is an opportunity for you to um, come together and pray uh, with somebody or if you'd like to just pray where you are, that's fine also. So if you uh, stand together, we'd like to go ahead and close the service in prayer. And then the prayer partners will be available to you if you'd like to pray. Uh, After we pray, we'll be celebrating communion this morning. So let's pray. God, I pray that you will stir the heart of each person here at Lighthouse today. That they'll actually pray. They'll pray either in their seat or they'll pray with a prayer partner this morning. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at myLighthouseCommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 11. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.